one of those things God just arranges, right? Speaking of judgment, here's the thing. I, uh, I personally am not on social media because I can't handle it, yet that's really not the truth. The truth is I am still on, which maybe some of you are, on the Nextdoor app. And the Nextdoor app, if you guys are unfamiliar with what that is, that's actually a, a location that somebody created online to judge people safely. You can safely judge people. And let me tell you two things, if you're unfamiliar, that, that are up there. You can count on them every week. Two posts, a judgmental post that people will put up there with uh, an accompanying picture just in case you don't trust the person. One is when somebody has the audacity to park in a handicapped spot just to get in and out quicker. Now, who would do that? I would never do that. I really wouldn't. Um, and just in case you don't trust me, you can go and look at my account. I, I remind people. I would never do that because uh, I'm not that kind of person. You would never do that. Second is, and this one really gets me, like, this one, I can't even comprehend this. The, the quick in and out, I get that. But people who are driving, you've probably seen this too, just at a stop site, roll down their window and throw out a bag of trash. That's something that I would never do. Um, that just bothers my mind. Maybe my parents instilled something I would never do, yet there's people who do that, and I know because I've seen it on the next door app. I've seen pictures of these people. I've got license plates and everything. Now, those are two things that I would never do. The one thing that I haven't seen on there, but it's me, that I would never do. Earlier this week, I was at a doctor's appointment with one of my boys, and um, maybe it's because I wish I could do this, but I would never do this. We were in line waiting to try to make sure the insurance up there and he's taking a little while and he's having some exchange we're like we're super good people so we were like the six foot thing we were like 18 feet back just giving them a space and there's something about it it's just like dude this could get violent at any time you could tell I couldn't hear his words but he was just yelling at the lady yelling at the lady and he'd, he'd turn around like he was gonna leave like this is ridiculous and then he'd come back and ask him there's nothing Anyway, he ended up storming out there, cussing his whole way out. I don't think he understood how long the hallway was because he started cussing. He knew, you know, he's committed. He had to do it the whole way out of the building to let everybody know. And that's one thing that I, I would never do that. I would never do that. You would never do that. And this morning we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus addresses his disciples. And I think we can glean some, some helpful information from this. How do we... How do we respond to those people in our life that are just doing things that we would never do? How would we actually justifiably respond to them? So let's look. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And we're just going to jump in. Chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Jesus says this. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get the speck in your eye when you can't see because of the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. Um, first get rid of the log in your own eye so that you will be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So Jesus addresses this, yet he's not really all that helpful in how do we help these people, how do we help correct them when he just starts off and says, don't judge them. Don't judge them. And is that true? 
Is that what Jesus is really communicating? Because it's in red letters. This is Jesus speaking. Do not judge lest you will be judged. And we've heard that. That's like one of the most, that's probably the most popular scripture that people like to recite that of unbelievers. Like unbelievers love going to that. Anyone caught red-handed loves to go to that. If you, if you think you're going to get caught in the next couple weeks, put that in your phone. Memorize that verse. It feels good. Don't judge lest you'll be judged. But is that really what Jesus is saying? What he says is do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So Jesus is not talking about practicing good judgment. He's talking about being judgmental. He's talking about assuming the worst. Don't criticize people for the sake of criticizing them. Don't criticize people so that you feel better about yourself or that more people know how terrible this person is. Instead, Jesus will see even in the next verse when he talks about the eye and the speck and then down in verse 15, he talks about dealing with false prophets and you need to have you need to exercise good judgment if they're, if they're a false prophet or not. You need to exercise judgment based on the fruit people produce. So he's not saying don't exercise judgment. He's simply saying don't be judgmental for the sake of being judgmental. And he talks about the standard. And again, we, this whole series, we've been talking about the difference between we, the difference between me, I'm very much in the moment, and oftentimes my emotions to the way I feel, and that helps justify my feeling. Yet Jesus operates not in this tight context, but in this eternal context. And what he's talking about, the standard of which that we can judge, is the law. That the standard is the law that's been given to us. And the, and the disciples knew this. And remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus. As you know, the law says this, but I say even this. And the law says this. And these were Jewish believers. They knew the law. They knew what it meant. And Jesus is then referencing back, this is the standard that we're talking about. And if you're reading along with us in the 60-day challenge, earlier this week we were in Romans. and Holy cow, Paul is really uh, helping us out by refreshing our memories of what this is all about. And he talks kind of a lot about the law because Paul, if you remember, was previously Saul, and he was a Jewish student. He knew the law in and out. He knew his stuff. And he says this in Romans 3, which we, we tackled a few days ago. He says, obviously the law applies to those whom it was given for its purpose to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. That seems like a, he's really saying for the entire world to be proved that they're guilty. For no one can ever made be, never be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. And so it can be easy to look at this passage and say, Jesus is saying don't judge because remember the standard of the law. And we can think, no, we should judge because they're way out there. But he's reminding us the standard of the law which is in place to reveal to us that every single person is sinful. Every single person falls short. And if you don't think so, Look at the law. It's given to you for the purpose of exposing that you're sinful. So that's what Jesus is talking about. That's the context he's talking about in this, in this statement. And he goes on, okay, understanding the difference of casting judgment to criticize people, or exercising good judgment, how then do we interact? How do we help those people? There is something a little bit wrong with them. 
who they're not believing the right thing. They're not doing the right thing. They need to be corrected. How then can we be most helpful to them? If it's not just criticizing, but we really do want to help them. Well, that's where Jesus goes on a little bit. And he exercises hyperbole here, I think, very intentionally to make a point. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eyes? Going back, and remember the law which exposes that there's guilt in your life too? Why worry about that when you have a log in your own eye? That's hyperbole. That's kind of humorous. That's something we can picture. And we've all seen, maybe we're talking to someone, maybe it's not a speck, maybe in their eye, maybe it's something in their teeth. Maybe it's a stain on their shirt. Maybe you're just talking to them and they've got their shirt on backwards. Maybe it's a hair, something. And you're like, how do we address this? And Jesus is saying, before you be silly and address that, address the plank in your own eye. How can we say to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. Jesus is not saying dismiss it. He's not saying if somebody's doing wrong by someone else, dismiss it. But he is saying, first, you ought to address the plank, the pole, the rod, the shaft, the two-by-four in your own eye before you address the speck in your friend's eye. So how do you know if there's a log in your eye? How would you know if, if it's very obvious to me to see the speck in other people's eyes. How do you know if you have a log in your own eye? And maybe the, maybe the truth is, would you even be able to know? Because a speck you can still kind of maybe blur, you can still see, but the log is here, you don't know. How do you know? Well, again, what Jesus is saying is, because I want to say, I don't have a log in my eye, but Jesus is saying, look, again, this is less about you helping. This is less about the person. And this is more about you. This is more about us. This is more about me. I want to fix the speck, but actually Jesus is saying, dude, you've got a plank in your own eye. You need to address that. Which goes back to the, I would never. You know, it's easy for me to share those things. I would never roll down the window and throw trash out. Even if there was like, if it's something spilled and it's all over the place, I would still be like, nah, it's going to just be on my lap. I would never do that. But here's some things. At the same time, I've judged people for showing up late to class, unprepared. Who would do that? And it was so frustrating. You're taking a class, somebody shows up late to class, and then they make a big thing, and then they ask the question of everything you just went over, right? You guys been that. Who does that? I would never do that. Yet in college, on multiple occasions, I showed up 15 to 30 minutes late to class, realizing that we're in the middle of a test realizing that I do not have a pencil and I do not have a Scantron. I chose to be that guy I would never be. And I'm asking, I'm bothering people who are got there on time or taking a test. Hey, do you have an extra Scantron? Cool, thanks. That's kind of understandable. But then the follow-up question's rough. Hey, do you have a pencil? Uh, I would never do that yet. That was me. In elementary school, I remember thinking like, school is easy. How do people not get good grades? I would never sleep during class. High school, I was that guy. You know, it was a good day if, if somebody else woke me up if it wasn't the teacher. It's easy to say I would never do that. But Jesus says, 
bro, before you go saying you would never do that, get rid of that plank. Here's one. Can you believe this person left that person to go get that person right away? Like, they clearly just left that person hanging to go hang out with these people. Like, they, I would never do that until you get a great opportunity. Right? Here's one. I knew for multiple reasons that I was not going to have sex before marriage. I actually decided multiple ways that I was going to control my, my, my own sexual sin. I was going to control it really, really well. Of course, who wouldn't? Scripture's pretty clear on this. I failed miserably at that time and time again. I would never do that, but I do. I have. I would never put my family's financial situation under a, a tight constraints because I want to buy something that's clearly just a toy. And then what happens? The opportunity. And then I become this financial wizard where I leverage this and leverage this and leverage this. I've done that. I have said I will never, you, you know, you judge people. I would never let myself get that out of shape. I would never do it. I would never let myself get that out of shape. And I did. I will never allow myself to say this size or this uncomfortable. I will get back into shape. And then I didn't. We have to be careful. What Jesus is saying, the way humans work, the way I work, is I see things and I am quick to judge. And I will say, I will never. How do I help this person? How do I help them fix this, correct this, get better at this, think more rightly? And Jesus says, don't cast judgment for the sake of casting judgment. Exercise good judgment. I want you to help people, but first address the log in your own eye. Is this not working good? Test, test. Better? Worse? Same? Good? All right. Good. We've all done that. We've all done that. And, and we can play with that, how, how personal we want to get, how whatever it is. But if we're honest, if I'm honest, the things that, that I think like that, who would do that? What a terrible, terrible, terrible neighbor. I would never do that. I would never, I will never let my kids pick up just piles of things in our yards and just hurl them over the neighbor's fence all day long. Yet I've allowed that many, many times. And we've apologized for it. And I still, it happens on my watch. It's so quick to judge, and Jesus says, hold on a second. Hold on a second. So I want to ask, what's the log in your own eye? And, and if you need help, I'm literally right here. I can help you. Uh, but here's, this is how it works, right? If you, if you need help, I'm here to help you. I, I see the speck. I can help you. you know, Jesus is saying in this teaching to his disciples, He's like, dude, this is what we're teaching. This is, this is the new way. This is why I came. And it's not because you're an elitist and now you're on the team and now we're going to go conquer and now we're going to go teach. Now we're going to correct. Now we're going to corral. Now we're going to fix these problems. Jesus came to say, dude, this place is so corrupt. Hey, homies, no, down here, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you guys. I know what you want to go fix and trying to clue me in so we can go fix it but I'm talking to you. What about these planks in your eyes? 
You're no good helping anyone until we address these first. And that's not fun to talk about, which is really peculiar to me. Because how we talk about that is addressing the good news. This should be the most joyful thing to talk about. What Jesus was here to talk about, to teach, to demonstrate, to live, to love, was to demonstrate, I see the specks in your eyes, and I'm going to lay down my life. You guys, I've given you the law to see, to expose, to reveal how corrupt, how messed up you are, how perverse you are, how much you lack discipline, to expose your little faith. And I'm going to lay down my life in place of that to redeem you, to forgive you, to give you new life so that you can be helpful to others. And it takes us to the ABC prayer, which is what we talk about every week, which is surrounded with the good news. It's not just the good news that came out once, but it's the opportunity to engage with the good news, to receive the good news. Because I believe we could sit around here, I'm serious, for till, till 4 o'clock. We could sit, we'd have a great conversation, a fun conversation, and talking about how messed up things are, how you could never imagine this, how you would never, how there's, there's someone you know who's something. And that would be in fun, it'd be engaging. But we would be absolutely wasting our time and missing the point because we wouldn't be engaging with ourselves and what the good news is that God has for us. And the privilege to know this and the opportunity to engage with it looks like this. The ABC prayer is starting with admitting. And it's saying to admit we have to put down the specks that we're aware of in other people's eyes. We have to turn our attention, look in the mirror, be honest with ourselves. We have to admit that I am not a good person. We have to admit that I'm not always on my A game. We have to admit that there are many times where I am way more concerned about me than other people. Way more. That I, I need to admit that I am way less ready to help people than I want people to think. I need to admit that I'm way more insecure than I would want people to know. Because I'm way more fallen. I've got way worse thoughts than I'd want anyone to know. I struggle with lust more than I would want anybody to know. I struggle with anger more than I would want anybody to know. We need to admit that to our Savior, to our Father, to our Creator, and then we need to believe that him coming and laying down his life, being murdered on our behalf as the perfect and only sufficient sacrifice, he did that willingly to forgive us, to proactively forgive us of our sins, to make us new, to give us that new life so that we could be walking in his freedom. I got so excited reading in, in Romans, we are no longer slaves to sin because Christ gave his life for us. This is good news. And then we get to choose. We have to make that commitment to then follow Jesus. And we need to be intentional with what that looks like because sometimes we can say, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. That means, again, like the disciples, now I'm on the crusade to fix, crusade to fix people. 
And dude, dude, I can just tell by what you're wearing. You struggle with this. That's terrible. You should get rid of that. But that's reverting to everything going back. When we choose to follow Jesus, it's choosing to live our life in such a way where we're being honest with Jesus, where we're admitting every day, we're repenting of our own best understanding and choosing to follow his leading and guiding. It's where we are laying down our best plans and surrendering them and choosing, God, what would you have me do? It's intentionally choosing to not be focused on what we so disagree with and be way more focused on, God, what are you calling out in my life? And then be willing and ready and actually do something about that and let that happen. And that's how we engage with the good news, which is where the freedom comes from and the joy. And so when, he, when Jesus then talks about judgment, he's not talking about, we're not just going around trying to judge people for the sake of it, but we can actually exercise good judgment and be helpful when we're free and not slave to sin. I love this quote from this book that the staff here at Journey is walking through this book by Bob Goff. It's called Everybody Always. And he just gets it in a way that like, at first you're like, I love that he gets it that way, but I like living my life more like an American, more judgmental. But it's so inspiring to read how he gets it. And I love this passage. He says, we don't need to spend as much time as we do telling people what we think about what they're doing. I feel like that was really helpful for somebody. Oh, yeah, me. Okay. Uh, we don't need to spend as much time telling people what we think about what they're doing. Loving people doesn't mean we need to control their conduct. There's a big difference between the two. Loving people means caring without an agenda. As soon as we have an agenda, it's not love anymore. It's acting like you care to get someone to do what you want or what you think God wants them to do. Do less of that, and people will see a lot less of you and a lot more of Jesus. That's genius, but it's difficult. It's helpful, but it requires change in the way that I operate. The next verse here, verse 7 or verse 6, Jesus is kind of going on and he talks about, he says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to the pigs, for they will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. Don't cast your pearls before swine. It's not helpful. It's a waste. Why, well, don't invest your resources in somebody who doesn't care, who's just a swine, who's just a pig, who doesn't care. They're just going to turn and attack you. And Jesus says this, and we're like, of course, that makes sense. Yet the second we get an opportunity to post our opinion online, like, let me just help everyone. Like, the definition of pointing, of posting something online is casting to pigs. Like, I am seriously spent a lot of time reading posts, reading blogs, reading comments. And I don't, I think I'm yet to see someone be like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this all wrong. Thank you so much. <laughs> Could you come help me organize my house? Yet I've seen time and time and time again, and, and again, I'm finding myself, I judge their motives and their responses. Some people are even meaning well, meaning so well. Breaks my heart when I see someone who I know has like they mean so well in that response and they just get attacked out of left field. Jesus is saying, he's imparting his wisdom. 
don't just cast this helpfulness to the swine because it's not going to work out. And they're going to turn and attack you. Yet somehow along the way, I believe because it feels safer, you know, it feels like, okay, I'm really trying to help these people, I'm trying to fix people, I'm trying to fix people. Yet the reality is we're just hiding behind the, the, the log in our eye to be doing that. Nobody wants to change. Nobody wants to change. And Jesus is saying, bro, you're not helping anybody. You've got a giant plank in your eye. You've got to deal with that. You've got to surrender that. You've got to get that out. Then you can be of help. And don't just go around being super lackluster help with everybody because you're going to get attacked for it because people aren't caring about that. And a journey, we are, we are so... The purpose of the church is to help you progress on their spiritual journey with Jesus. We want to be helping you grow. I want to be growing. Each one of us got to be growing in our relationship to Jesus. Our lives should be more reflective of his life than our life. I love that we would start thinking more like him and less like us. One of the ways we do that is we define what our mission field is. It isn't just a, 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 a pigsty. It isn't just what's on social media. It isn't just whatever could feel like it is, but we... Because we aim for everybody, we're not going to help anybody. So we have these front row cards where we actually pray and we ask God to reveal to us, what are those 8 to 15 people who you have given a front row seat to my life right now in this season, in this week, in this month? And we write those people down. They're not people we choose. They're people that God puts there. And then we focus on those people. We pray for them daily. We invest in them. We want to be inviting them. We want to be caring well for them. We want to be preparing so we can have these conversations with them. Because on the backside of relationship is when we can really grow. I've been told some really hard things in life. About how my actions have really hurt people. And I've been told those by people in my life who I was on their front row. Who there was relationship so I could hear it. And it's not easy to hear but I could hear it. And I could change and I could grow. And we want to be intentional with the people in our front rows that we want to be praying for, aware of them, and so we're not whacking them in the face with our logs, but dealing with our stuff so we can actually be most helpful with them because the truth is regardless of what people hear from you, people experience you. And the people in your front row, they don't just want to be corrected, but they want to experience you. And, that's, and I'm slowing down to walk through this because the truth is, the truth feels so good sometimes. And I've said, that's just the truth. If they don't want to hear it, they don't want to hear it. But Jesus would say to me, Tim, yeah, that was the truth, but there's no way they can hear that truth when you're walking around with that giant log in your eye. Because the way I said it, the way that I'm living are my actions. And the reality is, our Everything we do is experienced by people. It's experienced by the people in your front row. It's not about you just being a conduit to just shove truth down their throat. But like Bob said, the best thing we can do is to love people with no agenda and to talk about the logs, the struggles, the sin in our life and how we've surrendered them and present that as good news that God sent his son Jesus to redeem me, to forgive me, to give me new life so that I can live freely and I can trust him and I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow but I choose to trust him and follow him because he knows he's going to take care of me, he's going to protect me. And that is an experience that people will say, that dude's walking with peace. I, experience, I don't even know what he believes, I don't even get it. 
but I experience peace versus I experience a, someone with a clipboard and someone with the truth and someone with their opinion, with their agenda, that they want me to get on board with that. And I, helping everyone remember, we don't really get on board with agendas, especially after we experience the people who are trying to push them. So I want to encourage and remind you of that. And um, Journey, one of our values is progress. We won't justify circumstances or make excuses. We won't make progress. Because the reality is, when I am asked, what are the logs in your eyes, um, I know one way I could figure those out quickly. And that would be to ask my wife and kids. I think so. I've never done that, because who knows what they'll say. <laughs> because that's true. Can you imagine the freedom that Paul's talking about? We do that. We understand what those logs are. We deal with that. We allow Jesus to deal with it. Then we can walk in freedom and the joy that is the good news comes with that, that we can share with other people and they're not condemned by our agenda, but they get to experience our love that we've received and experienced from Jesus. But that, makes, that starts with us not making excuses or justifying our circumstances. I'm like this because of this. I do this because of this. But it's saying, you know, I'm going to choose to make progress on this so that others can experience Christ's love. The big challenge this week is tough, but it's identify a log in your eye. Identify a log. And again, if you need help, don't get me in trouble. Ask someone else in your life. Be bold enough to do that. Then repent of that. Ask for help. Surrender. Walk through the ABC prayer to remove that. And here it gets even scarier. Share that with someone else in your front row. Talk to a lot of people about Jesus. But what I can tell about their experience for me, when I tell people about what Jesus has done in my life, and not just biographical stuff, but they experience the freedom that comes with that, and that's where it's going to have the biggest difference. Let's pray.